0: Um, Leah is going to talk about generous giving tonight. So we're going to pray for you, Leah. Uh, but before we do that, can we have a huge cheer of, of appreciation for Leah? Okay, let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for Leah. I want to pray for the words that you've put in her heart, that they come out tonight through her speech, that we hear them and have the ears to hear what you are saying to us. So please give her confidence, uh, give her the ability to speak directly and speak through her tonight. Amen. Amen. Leah. Leah. Thank you. Well, I've not done this before, Um, and you're all probably used to seeing me singing, so um, we're both new to this. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself before I get on with talking about generous giving. Um, I'm married to Tom, he often drums, and I'm 25, I'm 26 on Wednesday, which is very exciting, I love birthdays. Um, And I am a primary school teacher day by day, I teach a class of eight-year-olds, which is quite hard work, but also lots of fun in equal measure. Um, We moved here about five years ago um, after we got married, and Tom moved over from sunny Guernsey to the mainland, and I moved down here from Essex, um, and we've been at Aaron ever since. Growing up, um, I went to a Catholic church with my mum and my sister, and um, my dad was... um, (laughs) My dad was an outspoken atheist, actually, and he didn't really like to talk about church, and if he did, he'd argue with you. Um, Then my mum and dad went and did an alpha course when I was about eight years old, and my mum met Holy Spirit, and that then took us to an AOG Pentecostal church, which is quite the contrast to a Catholic church. So there was where I then met God, that's when I started my relationship with him, and then at that point, the three of us started to pray for my dad. Well, my mum had been praying before then. Then when I was 19, my dad decided to give his life to Jesus. Um, and my mum had been praying, or we had been, well, my mum had been praying for 12 years for his salvation, um, which is amazing. And I'm eternally grateful that he now knows God, which is amazing. So, generous giving. Um giving is not something that is limited to money, although it does include money. It includes things like time and resources, effort, advice, all of those things. But money can be really painful to talk about. I know that. Um, But I believe that God really has something he wants to say. And quite often, I think we ignore it. Um, I'll be really honest. I think we ignore it as a church because it opposes our worldviews. And it's something that kind of gets our heckles up a little bit. We don't like it, and so we ignore what he has to say. Um, And I actually think you might feel a little bit uncomfortable this evening, and that's okay with me, um, because giving, and giving money in particular, is something that requires action, not apathy. So that's my challenge. But at the same time, I don't want this to be a judgment. I really want to come at this with a lot of grace. In a world where... Talking about money is quite taboo and quite difficult. I want to come at this in a really kind and gracious way um, and just highlight some things for us. Giving should not be something that is a duty or a tick box in our Christian life. It should be something that is a joy and something that is um, an outworking of our relationship with Jesus. Often Christians have used the typical verse from 1 Timothy Chapter 6, which talks about money being the root of all evil, to fear monger us into believing that it's bad or believing that it's wrong. But actually, money is really good and it's a tool that we can use. Um, I think that just like the internet or power or fame or food, it's actually our relationship with it that matters. It's not it that's the problem, it's us. So, with that in mind, we're going to look at three areas this evening. Number one, our inherited worldview. Number two, a kingdom perspective. And then number three, what does generous giving look like? Okay, our inherited worldviews. We all have a worldview that we have um, that is affected by our relationships, it's affected by our upbringing, our environment, our family, society, and culture, and all of those things. And actually, unsurprisingly, it has an, uh, an effect on our ability to be generous. We live in this selfish, self-centred, navel-gazing world where we've been taught that giving is a choice, but taking is a right. It's something that we are entitled to. Um, and this idea of self-fulfillment and, and gain is, is what we're taught about, not giving. Acts 20 verse 35 says, in everything I did I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Um, This piece of scripture is is, uh, Paul actually talking to a group of church leaders from Ephesus. He's not talking about money, he's talking about um, asking them to stand up and be the setting the example to the rest of their churches about giving to meet other people's needs. Um, because giving makes us more like God. So if giving makes us more like God, the more we give, the more like him we become. So if we're not giving, who are we reflecting instead? There are different people in this world that give in different ways. And some of those people give generously, generously, um, And they make a big deal out of it to cover up the sin or the bad stuff in their life. They do it as an offset. Or there are people that give to glorify themselves and make them look great. And they want the attention for it. There are people who give um, in favours, always expecting something in return. Or there's people that give reluctantly and they'll say things like, Oh, this is the last time. You might identify with one of those, or you might have a name of someone in your head who you think is like that, but actually this is all about looking at ourselves. So if you see an element of yourself, just ask yourself why, where does that come from? For Tom and I, when we were first married, we had to navigate this really tricky collision of two very different and very opposing worldviews. Neither was perfect and neither was inherently wrong, but they were very different. And for us to work as a team in the start of our marriage, we had to kind of assess what we thought um, and and kind of move forward to choose God's worldview, really. Um, growing up in my house, we didn't have a lot of money. We weren't poor particularly, but we didn't have a lot of money and we weren't particularly comfortable. My mum was always taking from... There to cover that, and she was balancing credit cards um, and repaying debts. And we would we had what we needed, but we didn't necessarily have enough left over for luxuries. I was never the kid that got to have the fad, I never got Pokemon cards or anything like that. Um, but I remember particularly um, when my sister, my mum, and I would go shopping for the seasonal clothes, that sort of thing, as growing kids. My mum had this face that she would pull that um, my sister and I coined the money face. Um, and she would kind of clamp her jaw shut. She would like grind her teeth a little bit. And she would squint her eyes as if she was thinking really hard. And she would do that whenever she would hand over the money or hand over her card at the till. And just subtly enough, that I learned from that that parting with money was really hard. And I learned that being generous was something that was difficult. Tom grew up differently. His dad was very clever with money. He would kind of tuck away here and there. I think for a little while they would make sure that he always had six months' salary saved away. Um, he, his parents paid for Tom to go to the prestigious private school on the island called Elizabeth College. And for him and his two siblings, they all had their university fees paid for because they were classed as international students. So they were comfortable and they they could have what they wanted and they had some left over. Now, although they were comfortable, the children were taught um, to get they were they were told and encouraged to get a job when they turned fourteen and they were taught how to save money. And despite salary changes over the years, Tom's family have always maintained a very careful and um, generous attitude to money. So for the first three years of our marriage, I was at university. We were living on one salary, and um, our very different views actually kind of, we were at loggerheads a lot of the time when it came to talking about money, and it dominated when we would talk about those things. So we kind of just buried our heads in the sand. I'm going to be really honest here. We buried our heads in the sand. Um, We didn't save any money, not a penny. We didn't um, really look at our accounts. We didn't check our money. We didn't really... We bought too much. We probably lived above our means. And we weren't very sensible. Now, we didn't get ourselves in any bad debt or anything like that, but we were just being a bit silly. And we weren't being very responsible. Every time we talked about money, um, we would argue... And usually it ended in tears, mostly mine. Um, And because I wasn't earning any money, I didn't feel like I had permission to spend money and I didn't feel like I was allowed to particularly look at the money or deal with it. I felt like it was jobs. Um, I felt like it was Tom's job. And Tom was not used to living on a budget. So (laughs) there we go. Um, (laughs) once I did get a job as a teacher we had the promise of that second salary we kind of realized we needed to take responsibility a bit we would have more money coming in and we wanted to really desperately be able to start saving to buy a house so um, we did the cap course with my parents who were at the time they were cap mentors and that taught us a lot that gave us the tools to budget It gave us the ability to be able to um, save and it also helped us to understand our giving a lot more. We prayed that God would give us the patience and the grace with each other so that we wouldn't argue having those difficult conversations and we also prayed that God would help to change our perspectives and align them with his so that we would have a joint view on money. So how do we work out what our own worldview is? This is a bit tricky, but I believe that by asking ourselves some quite challenging questions, that we can work out what we believe, we can work out why we act a certain way, we can ask us, uh, we can understand why we feel certain things about money. But as I ask these questions, you might cringe. Or you might your your hackles might raise. You might feel really uncomfortable. But what I challenge you to do instead of just ignore it is, is ask yourself why. Why are you having that response? And then reflect on it later. So number one, how does money make you feel? Number two, when you have money, what's your first thought? Or what's the first thing you do? When you don't have money, what's your first thought? Or what's the first thing that you do? And how do your parents handle money? What was your upbringing like? So our worldview needs to change. It needs to become a kingdom view. We have to really shift our perspective. We don't have to inherit our parents' worldviews on money. We don't have to deal with it the same way they did. And we certainly don't have to inherit society's view on money. So, what then is a kingdom perspective? Society sees money as power and success and security. The more you have, the happier you are and the more freedom you have, right? Well, actually, the kingdom perspective is kind of a bit topsy-turvy. It's an upside-down kingdom where generosity is success. Matthew 19 verse 24 talks about how difficult it is for the rich people to enter the kingdom of God. It likens it to a camel going through the eye of a needle. This isn't because money's evil. This is because we allow it to so easily entangle us. Freedom is in giving, not in gaining. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation, but I think the NIV is going to come up, which is Matthew 10. You'll know this. um, Well, some of you will know this. This is the Great Commission. Jesus commissioned these 12 to go into the ripened harvest fields with these instructions. Don't go into any non-Jewish or Samaritan territory. Go instead and find the lost sheep among the people of Israel. And as you go, preach this message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible, close enough to touch. You must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick and make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people and raise the dead back to life. Freely you've received the power of the kingdom, so freely release it to others. You won't need a lot of money, travel light, and don't even pack an extra change of clothes in your backpack. Trust God for everything, because the one who works for him deserves to be provided for. So as I said, this passage is the Great Commission. It's when Jesus is talking to his 12, his kind of best friends, and he's sending them out into the world to preach the gospel, to to share the good news. Jesus isn't explicitly talking about money, but this verse has been taken out of context. Giving is part of our commission, but not money. There's this wonderful juxtaposition that I just want to draw attention to for just a minute. The disciples were told to give freely freely, but they were also told to not take a lot of money. So that means that generous giving is not limited to money. The scripture says, freely you have received the power of the kingdom, so freely release it to others. Jesus is calling us to release the kingdom of God and share the good news. The greatest gift that we have ever been given for free is our salvation. Because we have freely received it, we should be freely giving it. Jesus died for us so that we might be saved, to receive the kingdom of God, and we've been charged to do the same for others. I'm just going to focus on some syntax for a minute because I found this really, really interesting. In almost every translation of this scripture, it always says freely. Freely you have received, so freely give. The Bible doesn't say, freely you have received, so reluctantly give. The Bible does not say, freely you have received, so give begrudgingly. And the Bible does not say, freely you have received, so give, but expect in return. We receive the kingdom of God for free because Jesus stood in our place and took the brunt of the wrath of God for our sin. We didn't earn that, but we did freely receive it. So whoever we give to, in whatever proximity, does not have to have earned that gift. Whoever we give to doesn't have to have earned it, and they do not have to be deserving. Just like we didn't earn our salvation... Generous giving doesn't mean we just give to the deserving, it means we give to the undeserving and the people that don't earn it. Because we've been undeserving of the salvation that we've so freely received. Now I know that giving money can be really hard, I know that full well, I've experienced how hard that is. And to give away something that we feel entitled to or we feel like we've worked really hard for or... We've grafted for that's that's ours can feel really challenging, but I want to let you in on something. It's not actually ours. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything is God's, it's His first, and then He gives it to us. We have to detach ourselves from this view that what we have earned is ours, that it's ours and we hold it tightly. We, if you imagine something that belongs to you, you imagine gripping it and holding it tightly. If you think about your money, you think of it in your hands, with your hand tightly gripped around it. But when your hand is like this, it's really hard to give something away. When we've got a tight grip on something that belongs to us, it makes it really tricky. So I, just, I wonder if you can put your hands out in front of you like you would be receiving a gift, a bit like when you tell kids to close their eyes and open their hands. If we believe that money is from God, that it's his and it belongs to him, we have to first receive it, but our hands have to be open to receive it. When we have this posture of open hands, notice that your hands are open, they are not closed. So when you first receive your money or your gifts or whatever it is from God, we can then freely give it away. Our hands aren't closed. Notice your hands are open. It makes it so much easier to give away and to give generously when we believe that our gifts and our money comes from God because we first have to receive it. We have the posture of being a receiver. And when we have this posture of being a receiver first, before we give, we then have the capacity to be radically, world-changingly and outrageously radical with our giving. Jesus did that for us on the cross. And so we can do it too, because he lives in us as Christians. This open-handed giving means that not only can we give generously, we can also receive abundantly. So if we're going to give freely, we also need to be prepared to receive greatly too. So what does generous giving look like? When someone takes the time to share a finite resource, generosity happens. But so does sacrifice. The greatest, most generous gift we've ever been given, like I already said, was Jesus on the cross. And that was a lot of sacrifice. Radical giving is just that. It's radical, it's backwards, it's outrageous, and it doesn't make sense sometimes. Money is not something that should control us, and actually the more we give it away, the less control it has on us. Generous giving is also relative. It's something that is not quantifiable. There's not a certain amount that we have to give, and then all of a sudden, ta-da, we are generous. So what does being generous look like for you? But that means what is sacrificial? I charge you to ask Holy Spirit, but don't ask if you're not ready to listen and be challenged. Um, My mum and dad um, have been renovating their house for what feels like an eternity, Um, and they were onto the last, a couple of years ago, they were onto the last room of their house, which was their bathroom. And my dad's a laborer, so he could do it himself. So they had saved about 2,000 pounds to do their bathroom up, and then all of a sudden, the washing machine broke. And then their car broke down, and then their boiler packed in. So they had to spend their savings on replacing and fixing those things. So they started again. They started saving again from scratch. Um, At this point, my mum was turning 50, so for her 50th birthday, they hired out the local Mediterranean restaurant and invited all our friends and family to have a big party and a big celebration. Um, but at the same time, they had now kind of resaved about £2,000 to redo the bathroom. They drew up plans, they had bought all the tiles, and they were about to get started. And then I remember standing in the bathroom, in the toilet, at the, Mediter- the Mediterranean restaurant with my mum, and praying for her, because she was about to go out to the staff in the restaurant and ask them to total the bill so they could foot it for the 73 people that were there. My mum had heard clearly from God that they should use the £2,000 that they had saved for their bathroom to pay for everyone's dinner that night. And they did. And that was incredibly sacrificial and pretty radical. And actually, their bathroom is still not finished. (laughs) Now I want to finish with two practical things. Um, Number one, at Aaron, we believe that generous giving includes tithing. Tithing is a biblical principle, and the Bible says that tithing is giving 10% of our salary first before anything else, back to the kingdom of God. God gave us his son on the cross, like I said, and yet we really struggle to give 10% back to him. talking to myself here too, that's really hard. Sometimes that's a bit too hard. If God can get our wallets and our purses, he can have our hearts because our treasure is stored up in our wallets and our purses. So we're on on this generosity journey. You've seen this slide many times at church Um, and hopefully I've given you a little bit of something to to think about that maybe you're ready to move to the next step or jump a few steps. Lastly, if you need help understanding your finances and you need some help kind of budgeting or understanding your giving and your saving or even if you need support getting out of debt or or becoming debt-free, we couldn't recommend CAP more. And we have a centre here at Aaron as well. Um, we found it incredibly helpful, and we know some wonderful people who have experienced the wonders of CAP personally. But it does take us being really brave and speaking out and saying, "I have a problem" or um, "I need some help." We we really want to break the control that money has on us as a church. So let's just remember that actually it's not ours, it's his. And he gives it to us first and we have to receive it to then give our money away. I'd like us to spend some time praying about this because I really feel there's probably quite a lot of bondage or slavery or um, idols in the room to do with money. I mean, I had that. So we just want to spend some time praying. Um but I just really challenge you please come forwards and take an opportunity to pray bring a friend ask someone else to come and pray with you but make that first step in saying I want to have a kingdom perspective I wonder if the band could just come up and play whilst we pray there are a couple of people a couple of people or groups of people that I really want to pray for tonight but if anything in what I have said has struck a nerve made you feel really uncomfortable, or made you cringe, come and pray. If anything I've said has challenged you or made you realise some things, just come and pray. What's the worst that can happen? (laughs) Um, But some specific people, if you have recognised that you have got an inherited worldview that directly opposes a kingdom view, we want to pray for you. If you feel really controlled by your finances and you feel like it's um, controlling you and your life and it's dominating your thoughts, we really want to pray for you. And lastly, if you need breakthrough in your finances, we really want to pray for you too. I know it's really uncomfortable because the band haven't started playing yet. But we're going to do this and we're going to do it together as a church. So please all stand. And if any of those things apply to you, or if you just want to receive prayer because something has struck a nerve or challenged you, let's come forward. We've got the prayer area over here. People are ready to pray. Because we've got to do this as a family. Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would bring your presence. We know you're already here. There's angels here in this room and you are so ready to break some chains and you are so ready to set some people free. Lord, would you make people brave? Would you make people bold in stepping forward? Would you squash any worldviews that are not of you? Help us, Lord, to be more like you. But if we can give radically, sacrificially and generously, we reflect you and we reflect what you did on the cross for us.